Take me home, Midland Road, to the place I belong, to the valley, to see the city. Take me home, Midland Road. Hello again and welcome along to the latest edition of A Season with Bradford City in what you'd think will be a pivotal few days for the football club. Hope everybody is well in what certainly feels like the beginning of the business end to the season. On Wednesday evening, City welcomed Wickham Wonders to Valley Parade in the semi-final of the Bristol Street Motors Trophy with a place at Wembley very much up for grabs. No time to rest though because then at the weekend, Graham Alexander's side head to Barrow hoping to make it four league wins on the bounce. So yes, City fans, this season is about to get even more interesting. One man who knows exactly what it takes to follow Bradford City home and away is BBC Radio Leeds' Bradford City commentator, Jamie Rayner. Over the last six or seven months or so, I've got to know Jamie. I like him. He's excellent at what he does. And he kindly dedicated some time to the podcast on Tuesday. Now, I do promise Bradford fans, the questions get better as we go along. But I did start by asking him, how long he'd been covering the club. Yeah, this is now my uh, fourth season covering Bradford City. Uh, No grey hairs either. Not yet. I think (laughs) they're to come probably next year at this rate. How would you describe your your journey covering City then? And I don't just mean this campaign, because this is my first go at it. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you what, I'm exhausted. Oh, it's tiring. It's tiring. (laughs) And I'm sure many people listening will uh, attest to that as well. But uh, yeah, it certainly has been a journey. Um, I think probably not as many highs as I thought um, might have been the case by this point when I initially started covering the football club. Um, I think that just illustrates the potential that exists at Bradford City and it's almost like the carrot that dangles for prospective players. The same can be said for anybody you know, covering the football club uh, week in, week out. Um, the journey's been an interesting one. Um, you know, the first season covering the football club was a, a behind-closed-doors COVID season um, and having never commentated on football before, it was a very surreal experience. I only really appreciate that now. We've got crowds back and that that's the norm. But then for me... The norm was empty stands and echoing around the the, the various grounds that, that we went to up and down the country. So, yeah, I think you know to summarise, it's it hasn't it's probably been underwhelming in terms of the success that I think everybody hopes for. But in terms of enjoyment, I absolutely love it. Love it. Couldn't ask for a better job. It's it's brilliant. And uh, despite <laughs> despite the disappointments of which there have been quite a few, it's been an absolute joy. It really has. Disappointments, but they could get to Wembley twice this season. Which is remarkable, isn't it? I mean, (laughs) only two weeks ago, at the point of recording, um, we were wondering where this season was heading for Bradford City. But I think on on one point, it just goes to show how crazy this league is that in the space of a week and three successive wins, the fortunes of a season might be turning around. Um, It is still a big if. It is an enormous if. You know, the the Wednesday semi-final in the EFL Trophy is against opposition that are in a league above. That is a big if. And also, yes, two points is the gap between Bradford City and the playoff places this season, but there are a number of teams um, in that area vying for the same spot, which for me, realistically, is seventh. That's the one that's up for grabs. If they're going to make the playoffs, Bradford City are going to sneak in. But um, what is good um, is that at least there is something to play for still at least this season isn't petering out and as you say there is that quite unbelievable now saying it possibility uh, that Bradford City might might just reach Wembley twice this season 
Let's talk about managers then. We'll come yeah. to Graham in a minute. But how many managers have you seen in this time? Because there's, you know, any any football club you cover. Yeah. He's counting. He's got his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Graham would be Graham would be the sixth if we were to include uh, Connor Sellers and Mark Truman as, as joint managers when they had their stint. So um, six in total, um, however many appointments that is in that time. And obviously there's, there's caretakers in there and whatnot. As well. <laughs> Graham is the, the current manager, yeah. so to speak. What's he like to deal with? Superb. Um, a real joy. And you've dealt with him yourself, Tom. Very honest, um, very forthright. But, I, I, you know, I always get the feeling of authenticity in what he has to say. Um, and I think he articulates his points really well. You know, Phil Parkinson was well before my time covering the football club, but I've seen many, many fans liken Graham Alexander's approach to that of Phil Parkinson. You know, to the point, honest, uh, pragmatic in his approach, but gets that message across. And I think the fans really benefit from that as well. They want that honesty. They want to feel that common ground, that mutual feeling between the person that's leading their team and their own feelings and thoughts about their side. So if they have played not very good, then he comes out and says, yeah, we've not played very well on this occasion. From my perspective, that makes my job a hell of a lot easier (laughs) um, because he's saying what many fans want him to to say or want to hear, but also just very likeable. You know, there's the the conversations either side of record that uh, fans don't often get to see and that just makes the job more enjoyable you don't get that with every manager and that shouldn't be an expectation either you know every manager has their own way but uh, in the case of Graham Alexander so far it's been a a three and a half month period that's uh, albeit not the success and the enjoyment that I'm sure many are still hoping for on the pitch but certainly in my own capacity um, it's been it's been a joy and 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 hopefully that comes across in the interviews that that uh, Graham Alexander gives pre-match and post-match. Let's look into your role then in a bit more detail mm. covering Bradford City. You recently held the uh, fans forum. There was lots of positive feedback <laughs> regarding your role in hosting that. There was. Um, how does that type of thing come about though? Is it yeah. difficult to manage because you must have had hundreds of thousands <laughs> of questions? Yeah, we got a lot of questions for that particular forum. I think it was north of 250 in total, which for an hour-long broadcast is nigh on impossible yeah. um, to ask every single question. And look, you know, there was a lot of questions that that fell under the same category or the, the same question. So you could ask one question and hopefully that would appease 10, 20 individuals who got in touch with something similar. So the answers hopefully covered, uh, you know, across the board what people were getting in touch with. Um, in, in terms of how it came about, you know, I actually initially approached the football club uh, to speak with Graham, you know, do a one-on-one, tell us about Graham Alexander, the manager, let's learn a little bit more about him. And then as the season progressed and as form dipped and understandably with that in line as calls grew louder for, for more clarity uh, and transparency in terms of off the field operations that that initial request certainly developed into what we then got which was a, a you know a fans forum and look I, I, I appreciate and understand from many uh, supporters that got in touch that it wasn't a forum that was held in person that isn't entirely something that we can control. And certainly, let me tell you now, there is not that much space in Studio 3 at BBC Radio Leeds to accommodate <laughs> the amount of people that I'm sure would like to have come. Um, but we really wanted to try and deliver that, as did the football club uh, as well. So that's why it was something that was we worked on in conjunction with Bradford City at BBC Radio Leeds. And, you know, again, I, I said it during the broadcast and, I, and I'll say it again, it, it really isn't often that you get the manager, the chief executive and the head of recruitment of a football club in a studio at the same given time answering questions 
from the supporters that have emailed. Again, I you know I see that people would like to have that in-person uh, forum and that might be something that the football club are looking at later down the line. I don't want to speak for them. Um, I think Ryan Sparks said during that forum that they were certainly looking at the possibility of that later in the season maybe. But again, I don't want to say that as verbatim. Um, that is, that to is be fair job. though, Jamie, as well, they yeah. did hold uh, something similar at the club in the season, didn't they? Which was, which was, which was great. They've yeah. spoken sort of mid-season, albeit through a little slumping form. Yeah. But you know, they've got to have credit for that as well, haven't they? Yeah, and, and I guess that's part of their role uh, to be as transparent as they can be and and that you know all falls under the category of of accountability you know um and it's it's my job to i suppose navigate that traffic uh, in a way that's what i'd like to think fair and and honest um that will give them their chance to to i suppose appease maybe hopefully in their view some of the questions that have come um their way but at the very least giving them that opportunity to have their voice and to give them a platform that will allow them to to speak some of the answers that they maybe want to to, to give to supporters what about your mindset then in, in in the role that that you have how do you I guess deal with social media, some of the mm. positive and, and negative yeah. sort of reaction that comes with with covering any football club up and down the country. How, how, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I, I mean, it's something that I like to think I've got better at dealing with over um, the four or so years that I've been in doing this role. I think in the first season, it was something that I probably wasn't um, ready for in terms of you know both positive but mainly negative. Um, Is it one of those things? Sorry, there. Just to, you've got to call almost experience yeah. to be able to learn how to deal with it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Because you you become, I suppose, you, you grow a thicker skin, don't you? So you become more accustomed to seeing comments um, that that people say that they're not that big of a fan of, of what you do, and and that's absolutely fine. I think I've I've learned that you're not going to please everybody. Um, and you know, whilst I appreciate feedback, I think it's important in what uh, we do that we do listen to supporters and we do listen to their views because fundamentally we're delivering delivering them a product that they're going to listen to. So, uh, by no means am I dismissing uh, the thoughts and feelings of supporters, but in terms of how you deal with that personally, um, yeah, you have to be robust. You have to have a thick skin, but in the same breath. I'm at a point now where I don't look too much into the negativity. So in turn, you don't read too much into the positivity. You've got to try and, and managers, you hear it all the time, remain level. Don't get too high, don't get too low. Um, and I know that that sounds a bit cliche, but it, it is it is really helpful. So I, I kind of have probably become quite numb to it now. And um, there's a great quote that I heard from someone only a few weeks ago, which was, um, don't take criticism from someone that you wouldn't take advice from. And I think that's something that, that for me now moving forward, you know, that's that's how that's how I, I try and operate. And trust me when I say I am my own worst critic and I'll be the first one to say when I've done a bad job. Excellent advice, that. Excellent. Um, how do you manage the relationship with the club then? Because I yeah. think it is fair to say you do ask many of the questions the fan would like to ask. I don't think you skirt around any of the issues. But then obviously the other side of what supporters might not see is that daily communication, yeah. keeping um, that good relationship with the club. How do, you, how do you keep that balance? Yeah, and, and it is a relationship. That is the word. And um, I'll be the first to tell anybody, including yourself, Tom, that the, the club are, are very understanding of the role that we have as journalists and our responsibility. Um, and with that relationship comes understanding I would say respect as well for our position um, because look we're not going to have the easiest of times and I've certainly learned that over the four years 
there have had to be some difficult conversations um, with managers, with uh, people at board level. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not meant to be easy. Though I think if it was, then we're probably in the wrong game. Um, you know, you've got to take full responsibility for the role that you you fulfil. And you know, fundamentally, I'm I am paid for by the 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 listeners, the supporters. In the same way that you know people at the football club are paid by the supporters as well, so um, I have an expectation on my shoulders to ask the questions that they can't ask. And um, you know, I, I remember years and years and years ago when I was at university. Um, one morning we turned up for a seminar and uh, we got told just off the cuff that a certain Jeremy Paxman was coming in to visit, and and you can imagine how daunting that was. And he was very very clear when speaking with us just in terms of journalism not necessarily sports journalism but journalism as a whole um that you are there to ask the questions that that others can't and it's a privileged position so treat it with the respect it deserves and um look I'm, it's not it's not paxman-esque at all but the principle is the point yes. that i'm trying to make um and so you know look sometimes people will um, will say and I've, I've had it a lot you don't go in hard enough um, well, if you know, if, if I go in as hard as some people might want me to, um, I might not be commentating next week, um, and and that's not something that's been threatened my way. But I think that is where the mutual respect and understanding comes into play, and I have to make that judgment call. With that in mind, then, if there are any youngsters listening to this who may be looking to pursue a career in media or, or specifically yeah. sports media, what would you advise to them be? Um, don't give up. I know that's a really cliche thing to say, but don't. Um, don't become overwhelmed by uh, the industry and what I mean by that is um, when you initially try and be a journalist or work in, in media the, the general narrative is uh, it's very competitive it's really difficult to get into you know you'll do really well to get your foot in the door I don't believe that to be the case I think if you have enough mental strength and enough desire to do it there are so many opportunities out there um, that you probably will overlook through the overwhelming feeling of, oh, I won't be able to get into this industry. And I, I, I assure you that it isn't the case. Um, the amount of local radio stations, local papers, local outlets, hospital radio, the amount of opportunities that are there that are willing to take on people, yes, on voluntary work, but it's the experience and the understanding that you gain. And then you build up trust, you build up a network and and it goes from there. That's how it started for me. You know, I did a degree in it, but the degree was purely a stepping stone to get into the industry. It was more about the hands-on experience and the work that, that I managed to achieve um, that, that helped me on my way. And, and I, I just, I've, I've said that so many times to young students coming through. I implore them to just keep going because it, it really isn't as daunting an industry as some might tell you it to be. Um, you've just got to, just got to keep trying. A few quick fire ones for you then. Yeah. Because the manager will be making his way through. So we can't keep you too long. Um, Favourite Bradford game oh, you've covered? It's a really, really good question. And I'm torn between two. So forgive me for giving you two. <laughs> they, they, they're so similar in their result and outcome. They were both last season. And I have to say, under Mark Hughes' time at Bradford City, there were some really, really good times for the football club. Some of the best times that I've seen. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a real... It's a real two-horse race between the Grimsby comeback, which Bradford City won yes. by three goals to two, um, because of the nature of that win, and Andy Cook once again bailing Bradford City out. And the same can be said, and this one probably tips it for just a noise level, 
the Colchester win when they got two late goals. So Cook scoring from the header uh, from a corner, I think Chapman put it in. And then once they were clear that the three points were in sight to then wrap it up just moments later with Scott Banks being played through and just the noise of Valley yeah. Parade. You know, I'd, as I say, I've been doing this job for four seasons now and people tell me about the City Raw, but then to actually hear it firsthand, unbelievable, um, you know, unreal scenes. Um, you know, to see someone like Mark Hughes, who's played at the very top level and Champions League, international, going crazy on the touchline like a child again. Um, yeah, brilliant scenes. What's your thought process then? I know, I know I said quick fire, but I've just thought yeah. of another. You know, capturing that for the audience. I mean, that's a special gift you've got there, you know, and obviously you're capable of doing, but you've got to, got to convey that, haven't you? Yeah. Well, well it, it's, I think it's the most difficult part of the job. Um, and... I've tried to over the years not overthink it because if you do, then you tend to not really execute it in the way mm. that you'd like to. You might imagine what it might sound like before, and then when you hear it back afterwards, you're cringing, thinking, "Oh, why did I say you that?" You can't script no. natural emotion, can you? And so my approach, and everybody has different approaches. Of course, they do. My approach is just to be instinctive. What yeah. what comes to mind first? What what what's the feeling? Because you feel the atmosphere when you're commentating and that really, really lifts you. And I go back to that initial point at the very start, which was in that COVID season, you had none of that and you felt very, very isolated and alone. Whereas when you're commentating, particularly at Valley Parade, my goodness, it's like you're commentating with mm. the crowd and th that's why that atmosphere stands out so much for me because it was one of my favourite moments of commentary purely because the crowd lifted everything about it you know you could say so many words in different ways but really what made that moment special wasn't the commentary it was the sound it was the atmosphere it was the pure emotion and I think you know you see all these amazing commentary goals on social media and whatnot and don't get me wrong I'm not in any way shape or form undervaluing the brilliance of whichever commentator that was but it's the moment that makes Absolutely. it it's the goal it's the it's the drama of it all the words just supplement it most disappointing Bradford game you could. I think yeah. I might know the answer. Yeah, it's an easy one, that. Yeah, um, Carl Alloway, um, yeah. second leg, playoff semi-final. Um, you know, in our role, we have to be as neutral and down the middle as we possibly can. You know, that that is as as journalistic as you can be. But when you cover a football club week in, week out, you feel the emotion. Of course you do. And you are invested. I don't care what anybody says. You become invested in the football club. And, oh my gosh, the, the elation of Matt Derbyshire to then the, the disappointment of Ben Barkley and that header, um, that was just gut-wrenching. And, you know, I am, I am impartial in that moment and I felt it so right. what the players must be feeling and what the fans must be feeling that afternoon so so disappointing so much hard work had gone into that season um, but yes uh, th that, that period after the goal and um, the substitution and what followed you know I, I don't need to say any more really Favourite Bradford goal you've commentated on? Oh that's a great question Ugh, that's a really really good question there are a few standouts in terms of actual quality of goal, if we're to define it by that. Um, I think Matt Derbyshire's volley at Stevenage, or half volley, was outstanding. Um, Theo Robinson with a great curled effort away at Swindon. Um, but I go back to actually the, the first season I was commentating on the club and 
I have to say, it was Danny Rowe's late equaliser at home to Bolton. Right. Um, just in the way that that game had been teed up, you know, Mark Truman and Connor Sellers had come in. I think Bradford City were on a five-game winning run in the league and they were clamming up the table. They'd gone from relegation candidates to playoff hopefuls, which was a remarkable story in itself. And they welcomed, you know, the might of Bolton, who at that time they were on a six-game winning run. So there were the two form teams, you know, both former Premier League clubs going toe-to-toe. That was a game that deserved supporters, goodness me. But to be 1-0 down and then for Danny Rowe to, to step up with a left-footed half volley into the top corner, um, yeah, that, that will always be a goal that stand, stands out to me. Favourite away ground? Oh, that's a great question. Um, there have been a few. Um, I'll keep it to League Two level. Just I because like Stockport, I don't know why. Stockport's like great. Stockport. Well, I know why I like Stockport, because the pies there are brilliant. <laughs> that's, an, that's an easy you've, one. You've, you've, you've let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot... A lot of a lot of grounds get a lot of credence on on how well their yeah. food comes across. Um, yeah, I, I, I Stockport's a pretty good shout, um, but I, I'm a massive fan of Wimbledon's new ground, right, Plough okay. Lane, and the newly built Plough Lane. Right. Just the professionalism of it all, the authenticity of it, the story behind AFC Wimbledon, the the work that the community does for that football club. You can feel it. The pride of the staff when they're showing you around. They are so glowing of their football club and what they've been able to achieve and I think the AFC Wimbledon story is is remarkable but then to be built in somewhat of a concrete jungle it creates an atmosphere because it propels off uh, the concrete apartment blocks that surround it and you, you kind of feel enclosed in this little pocket of London so yeah Plough Lane's a big favourite. Final question can I push you for a prediction between <laughs> now and the end of the season in the cup yeah. and the league? I'll start with the cup I think the cup it's as good as anybody's because it's the cup. Um, I, you know, Wickham League One outfit. I mean, if Bradford City are going to win this thing, they're going to have to beat two League One sides now. Um, but I think with the Derby performance away, I think that really restored some, some yes. kind of confidence yeah. in the team at that time. But uh, I no doubt will have been a catalyst for confidence going forward now in terms of what they can achieve. I think the EFL trophy has been a respite uh, for the whole season. And I think some players have actually really performed in that uh, competition that they've actually carried into the league as well. So I think it's it's anybody's. And I think Bradford City have as good a chance as any of the three other teams uh, now, purely because it's knockout football. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I fancy them to get to Wembley. I do. I think, you know, to get a home draw is key. Um, they've, built a bit, they've built up a bit of momentum now. So, yeah, I think, I think there's, a, there's a chance there. Um, I've got to be honest, Tom, I, I think the playoffs are, are too far a stretch for Bradford City, sadly. People won't like me uh, saying that, but I'd rather be honest. I think there's a lot of football left to be played between now and the end of the season. You know, Yes, as it stands, two points is the gap, but that is definitely five points with somebody because at least, well, every team above them have at least one game in hand. So you would expect at least one of them to win that game in hand. So the five points really is, is the gap. And I just, I've not, I, there's been a lot of inconsistency in this team throughout the, throughout the season. I think they've been hamstrung by the start of the campaign. I think there were a lot of points that were lost that's put pressure on the team now to deliver week in, week out. When actually, if you look at the form over the last few months, it's not been necessarily that bad. The, the winless run of eight games 
isn't great. Of course, it's not great, but there were there were a lot of draws in that. I think the start of the season has has put put pressure on them. Um, but I do think it's going to be some task. I'm not ruling it out because I think Bradford City are a match for anybody in this league um, when they are uh, uh, you know firing on all cylinders. But they've got to try and find that that consistency. And I think I think Graham Alexander has been absolutely spot on in what he said. I do think they are shifting that momentum, um, but I think they've got to keep this pace up now and they can't really slip up. Um, and there are some big games coming up, but um, I just, yeah, I, I, think, I think I've been weathered by Bradford City over the, over the years now to maybe not be as optimistic as, if you'd asked me two years ago, I might have been more optimistic. <laughs> Jay Rennett, keep doing what you're doing. Fantastic, mate. Great work. And thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Take me home, Midland Road.